This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode contains spoilers from the novella A Long Conversation with mentions of Empire of Storms, The Cruel Prince, A Touch of Ruin, and Book of Night. For full list, please see show notes. There are also discussions surrounding transphobia, racism, and death of a family member. Hi, everybody, and welcome to A Court of Phantoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today we are discussing, this is Lord of Shadows by Cassandra Clare. This is book two in the Dark Artifices. And Jessica, Jessica Marie, you looked at me, you said to me, (laughs) I do not think that I will cry. I don't feel the tears. I don't think I will cry here. Jess, did you cry here? I sobbed. I don't know. And I think I even made a TikTok about it last week or the week before where I said, I don't know why I keep telling you I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry because I always fucking cry. I really thought it was just it was it's a middle book. I say middle book. It's a trilogy. So I just thought it was going to be that bridge book. Everything's fine. I didn't really I didn't cry in the first one. And and here we are. I am emotionally drained. You? I think I told you the first time that I read this. So I read this when it came out. Like I was on this like opening. I was on this, right? To uh, nobody's surprise. <laughs> to nobody's surprise. I was in 2017. I was I was on my shit on this. Uh, but I read this the first time and I did not process what I was reading. I didn't process the ending because the I did this on Audible and we'll talk about that. But the last 12, 11 minutes of this are like bang, 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 bang. And then it's bang right up against a wall it stops and the first time i read it i got to the end and i was just like what was that what was that and i like sat down and i walked away from the book and then i was like okay and then i went back and read it again and then had like a breakdown because i was able to process not only what happened at the end but what those implications are and just what you know that those characters are feeling in that moment And another layer to that is because we're adults and we have experienced like this level of grief, we know what those characters are like in for. And it's just like, it's the domino effect that happens with. And and I mean, you can say that. I feel like, yes, you can say that with a lot of things. But I, I think in one of like I send. Laura, reaction notes for, like, as I was reading, because this is, like, your millionth reread. How many times have you read this? Actually, great question. Not many because of this, like, snap bang at the end. Is it, like, a Empire Storm situation where you'll read up until a certain point in the past? No, I just, I just, I just don't. I okay. just, I just don't. You just and, know. Yeah, because I know. And uh, that goes on to say I have not reread the third book very often either except like i know exactly what happens i remember the plot but like i haven't reread it a lot um just because that is those are difficult heavy big 
big emotions that I don't want to feel all the time. So, you know, I kind of regulate it. So that's why I've read the first one a lot because the first one is like, you know, all the angst, we're getting into it. Characters are fun. It's LA, you know, it's vibes. This one is plot and, um, and it's very dark. It's very dark. Uh, we're talking, of course, about the end of this book where, uh, Livia is fucking stabbed in the chest and murdered by Annabelle. And uh, did I miss something in that part? Because I feel like what she didn't, I, I, I sent a very ugly crying video to Laura, like sobbing, like why she didn't do anything, but was she just like in this angry murder frenzy that she felt betrayed? You know, things were happening from the clave again. Magnus was supposed to be there. He wasn't like, I feel like I missed something because Livy was just there. Yeah. She was just there. She She was was just just there. Like she was just uh, I can't even think of the word right now. Like um, collateral damage through this whole thing. It is it. Um, Livia is said to look a lot like Annabelle. That and that is kind of repeated over and over and over yeah. again. That's why I told you I went back and I looked for heavy foreshadowing. And that's one of them. So they say like Livia looks like Annabelle. Like it's this like weird, like uncanny kind of. And like, then, Livia was doing her own double takes when she was yeah. like realizing what Annabelle looked like. Right. Yeah. And then. When Livia threw the broadsword to Julian, I did not think anything about it because there's like eight different POVs in this book. So it's just like, oh, okay, like Livia's, Livia's here. All right, whatever. Okay, we're all here. We're coming. And then it was just snap bang. And um, yeah, so no, it was, it was, uh, I think, I think the connection was there because they, you know, they say that they looked alike, but also, um, they make a mention that Annabelle looked completely dead. Like she went, she went, like she wasn't there. Right. Right. She had like dead eye. She was like, you know, she wasn't there anymore at, by that point. So who knows? Who can say? Yeah, I almost, I didn't know if it was like a, like a reaction. Like it's not, you know, what, like a, like a, a rage fueled situation where you're like, you're just reacting. You're not actually processing or thinking mm. who can say we have guess, a 30 I mean, plus know. hour book uh to conclude uh which i am looking forward to but also kind of dreading uh because we're starting with livy dying because it ties this whole book together um because that is like family family is the is the tie here family and Every aspect, because it's not just the blood family from the Blackthorns. It's not just the blood family from the Lightwoods, because everybody is, you know, you have like Simon and Isabel and they're, um, they, they're engaged. We know this from a novella that we read. And then we have, obviously you have Magnus and Alec and you also have Jace and Clary show up. And obviously we know that Jace is, basically like a brother i mean he's parapetai with alec um and then even in tavi's letter to annabelle when we you know in earlier in the book he says to her you know here's here's like a little breakdown of our family i think you'd really like us you know emma even though she's not like a blackthorn by blood she is my sister i see her as my sister and i love that i i, I just love the emphasis that family doesn't mean blood and 
that, you know, like we've spoken about it um, on the podcast before, if you've been following, um, it's the found, it's a found family trope and a blood family trope, but it's like coincides. And I think it's just so beautiful. I think it is a really great example, too, because you also have Kieran. They've they've pulled Kieran in like they've adopted Kieran. He's part of it. Right. And Christina. Christina's part of it, too. Uh, you know, Diego, they, they all tease and fight and like hate Diego, but like, you know, Christina with Jaime, there's, there's something there. So they're gonna like, you know, for them, even if they're a little suspicious, uh, it's just, it is, it's, it is different to me in this situation when Julian re-emphasizes Like, over and over and over again, like, this is family. My family, the kids, these are my kids. Like, we are family. So, like, we have said in the past, like, just because you're calling yourself a family over and over and over again doesn't mean that you are. But, like, not in this situation. (laughs) Right, right. This is completely different context. Because not only is it tell, not show, it's showing and telling. And even if if you took Julian... Say, like, say if you took the word family out of Julian's mouth and all of the dialogue, his actions scream that that's what everybody is to me or him, really. Oh, and OK. OK, so we started with the end. We started with the death of our sweet, our sweet Livy. And we will, of course, end this episode with that, too. But let's start with our cold open. We have a cold open of, of Kit. Kit and Jace, this is two weeks after um, the end of the book. And I I just love seeing Jace as like a 20-something. I like seeing him confident and secure and just funny and just a thousand percent Jace. Well, it's very similar to with um, the Infernal Device spoilers. Once Will was really able to come into his own and like write a Demon Pox song, <laughs> like just be the self that like he's had to and that you kind of hear him talk about when he's high on the I can't think of the word right now on the one when he was just like escapism when he was using that drug where he's like, I'm exhausted. Do you not know the pressure? Like, he knew who he was as a person, even though he carried this terrible burden. But, I mean, that tracks because it's a Herondale thing. It's a Herondale. And they say that over and over and over again. <laughs> if you don't know what your last name is, it's probably Herondale. Uh, <laughs> and that's just hilarious. Uh, the criticism in the first book, Lady Midnight, is that there are a lot of Easter eggs. And it was, like, too much fan service here. That is not a criticism here. Uh, because it is very, like, much part of the plot, right? Like, Jace and Clary are here for a reason. They're here for Kit, but they're also, like, you know, they got something else going on, too. And I, I really, really like that because it shows, I guess, kind of in the writing, the way that everything is kind of explained and reintroduced to the reader so if you were picking this series up first, just like you said in our other episode, like you could read this in a reverse order and yeah. go back and be like, gee, I want to learn more about these Clary Jace people. I learned all about these other people. What are they talking about with this war and all these other, you know, you could do that. Uh, that would be wild. And I would really like to talk to somebody that did that. That'd be crazy. But uh, that could happen. And I just I just love that here. Um, because Jace is just like, give it a week, give it a week, man. See, see how you feel, see what happens. Of course, 
to me, a week in Shadowhunter time is like what, like 6,000 years. Like so much happened. Well, and it makes sense because like everybody, and I think I like repeatedly sent you in my notes. I'm like, they love so hard. They love like Shadowhunters in general. Um, Like, I'm like, I will never be loved as hard as these people love each other. And I also remember from Infernal Devices, like, even though everybody seems so young, and even the Mortal Instruments, because they talk about with, like, Clary's mom, Shadow Hunters don't have, typically don't have a long life. Life, yeah. So that kind of, like, accelerates you know, every mode, like every, all feelings are big feelings. Everything has to, you know, you kind of have to seize the opportunity. I mean, it's also repeated in this book about, well, th- we're shadow hunters. We're supposed to be brave. We're shadow hunters. This is yeah. part of our responsibility. It's like, that's its own thing that I noticed in this book compared to the others, the constant, um, driving in the point that like, well, we're not everybody. We're shadow hunters. We mm-hmm. have different, like, there are different expectations um, we have to hold our, and standards that we have to hold ourselves to. And we, we will, we will get to the cohort and all well, of those. Not the cohort st- standards, they're pieces of fucking shit. <laughs> we will get there. Um, so I, as, as I do sometimes, I told Jess that she needed to read a novella before she could read this book because, you know, we need to have all of the information. Context. So I, yes, context. I had, I had Jess read, uh, a long conversation, which is the Jace and Clary proposal engagement kind of situation novella. And so we had that backstory when we get to Clary uh, talking to Emma, which I I really love their friendship. Yeah, uh, it's it's reinforced that like Clary was the only one to go after Emma. She was the only like one to run after her after her parents were killed, and they have kept up this friendship, and they have a private friendship that she doesn't share with Julian, and she never has. And and I liked that. There's just like something special for her. And I, I like that because um, she has that with Christina, too, just on a different level because it's like her own age. But Clary, important, she is dreaming of cities of blood, right? The end of times. She has a feeling in her bones that she is going to die and she is aware of it. And she cannot marry Jace because she thinks that if they're married, it will make the loss of her worse as if that means like right it, right and, and she says like marriage is different you know and for shadow hunters they do they have like runes and stuff it is a very like deep connection um similar to the parabatai bond but uh d- you know if clary went down jace would never recover so i don't really think it would matter if they were married or not but clary has her reasons no absolutely and i feel like in regards to Clary and Emma, I love their, I, I just love uh, just a lot of the female relationships. I mean, not Zara. She's a piece of shit also. She's part of the cohort where we won't talk about, well, we have to talk about her, but I digress. But there is such an importance of the the, the established female friendships here. You know, you have Emma and Christina. You have Emma and Clary. Clary is like this big sister of sorts. And little, like, it, it goes both ways because Clary was raised as, you know, she was an only child. And she's kind of 
likes that role also for Emma. Like, I think it's just really special. And Emma gets to look up to this person that not only like helped her and respect her because there's, I think there's a line where she was like, Clary gives me words. Jace gave me a weapon. Yeah. He gave me a sword. So like, she also respects them. It's like, like professionally and personally. And she can also separate the two. And I always respect that so much. Um, but, but uh, there's also like, it's, with Clary also respecting Emma in that way, too, because she hadn't divulged that dream to anybody either. And and she asked Emma to if she dies, she ha- Emma has to tell Jace specifically. She specifically says, Jace, you have to tell Jace that I knew I was going to die and then that I was OK with it. I was aware. I went in and 100%. This is why I said yeah. no. And like it had nothing no. to do with mm-hmm. you or any for, or my, the doubt of my love for you, which is yeah. also kind of scary because I'm like just now after Livy, I'm like this totally she's going to kill her off. I have no idea. Clary does say that Emma is the only one that she could trust with that information because Emma will not freak out. Everybody else would freak out and try to calm her down and say, no, 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 you know, whatever. Emma will accept it for fact and ask what she needs. And I respect the hell out of that. And it doesn't take away how much she cares about for Clary either. I think there's something to be said. I think sometimes there is an emphasis on if you don't emotionally react a certain way to certain things all the time, that must, you know, put you in a certain category. Um, but I don't think that's fair to just put any just because people don't react the way you want them to react doesn't mean that they don't hurt or like take any situations and, you know, a different way. Well, that's the perfect segue. Let's talk about Ty. Let's talk about Ty. Ty, Tiberius, Tiberius, Ty. Uh, how do we feel about Ty, Livy, Kit? How do we feel about the three of them? I love their little like tripod of just they've taken him. They've taken Kit under and I say they Ty and Livy are the twins, the Blackthorns. Kit's coming in. They've kind of taken him under his their wing. And there's a line later in the book. I think it was like Kieran just observing or maybe it was it was mark i'm sorry and mark was like he was always worried because sometimes it felt like at a certain point that he was kind of the one who took that time him and livy were the one who took the time with ty and he goes seeing them in their little like it never felt forced it felt like he just belonged with like with everybody and that there was somebody else for ty who like got it too which was also like kit's like frustration you know when kit was making a list of like all these reasons why I don't love shadow hunters. They're stupid hot. <laughs> He's like, and how do you not know, you know, aut- like people who are on the spectrum, different levels of autism, like how, how backwards things are. I mean, still things with the shadow hunters are very backwards with some, with a lot of things. Um, but he just, and then like when he would embrace, like when Ty was having a meltdown, he just knew what to do. I, I just thought it was, I don't, I, I love them. I love their try, like their little, their little friendship circle. And it's beautiful. And even Livy says, she's like, you know, Ty thinks we should be pair of a tie. Like it was always, and he was just kind of, I, I, this book is very overwhelming. It's beautiful. It's beautiful with all the different circles of friendships that, and I know we'll get into it more, but I know you love them just as much. 
Like, this I do. Is, you love this family. I do love this family. I and and speaking of, I love this conversation that Julian has with Kit after they are kicked out of the shadow market. Right? Kit is Kit like, let's go to the shadow market. I can, you know, Julian has to go. Uh, you know. Give me some money. I'll go in. I'll get it. I'll get what you need for you. He's trying to rob him blind. And Julian's like, you think that'll work? Like, I am the father of all of these little assholes. You think, you think, <laughs> please try harder is, is like my inner dialogue for Julian. Like, really? Um, but they do get kicked out of the shadow market and that crushes Kit. That was like his his hope, right? He's like, I can get out of this. I can get out of this. And I can go to the shadow market and I can scratch out a life there and they'll be fine. It'll be fine. I don't have to rely on these people. These people that my father taught me to hate my entire life. Uh, but then he's kicked out and all of that is shattered. But on the ride, like with Julian, uh, Kit gives Julian the language of Ty, Right. Because Kit is coming from the outside world. He's coming from the mundane life. So he's like, no, this is not a big deal. There are other people like this. You know, it, it's called this. And at school, I had friends. And, you know, sometimes it was this, this, this. It's not a big deal. There's nothing wrong. And I, it's not something to worry about. Like, about me. I'm not worried about it. And I, re- and Kit is saying all this. He's like, and I recognize that the Shadow Hunter world because that's where uh, what you were saying, Jess. Kids, like, don't you have fucking X-rays? Don't you have fucking like antibiotics and shit? Like, w- what do you do? <laughs> like, what? And no. I understand that because Kit and and Kit just has a really interesting perspective because on some level, like, he does understand magic. He does understand how it works, but he does not understand the intricacies of Shadowhunter world. So it's like. No, we have Erotsis. And then if those don't work, we have the Silent Brothers. And if that doesn't work, then you fucking die. Like, we do have a short lifespan. (laughs) But I think it's just the importance of, like, Kit is bringing a lot more than just, like, a companion to, like, Livy and Ty. Like, he's bringing Julian language. And he's bringing this different perspective. And he's bringing family. And he also has this secret heritage. (laughs) Uh, that they have not touched on yet, but that is touched on in this book a bit uh, that I thought was very interesting. Well, I thought there was, I can't remember who he was talking to, um, but there is a part where he goes, I'm Christopher Herondale. And it was the, like, part of me was like, is he taking ownership? I go, no, not really. But he knew that that name would would mean something to whoever he was he was speaking to because he does say he's you know he says a couple times in this book well i'm a rook you know that's you know but you know it it goes back to he only knows what he was taught and from like julian's perspective he killed his dad at 12 he started raising his siblings at 12 and running the institute because his uncle had like is no longer seen and where would he have been exposed to the information because he is completely sequestered in the LA Institute, more or less? Yes. They, they do say that, uh, towards the end of the book when Tavi is so excited to play with Rafe and Max. He's like, do you want to play with us? And Julian is just like, God, we are so isolated. Like he is so happy to be around kids his own age. Gosh, um, but 
that that brings me back to the Institute and that brings me back to the fucking Centaurians. I know we have to talk about them, but they're such pieces of shit. And I'm just going to preface this that I will be like angry probably every time we talk about them because mm-hmm. it's like I, I and this is just like also a um, an observation on just society that if you read anything about the Centaurians and the cohorts and don't think it applies to society past, present and future, then you're missing the whole point of who and what they are and who and what they represent. It is disgusting. It is disgusting. I remember the first time I read this, my mouth was open. Like I was fuming. I was fuming. I was like, wait, what? What? When Zara and her friends were like, oh, well, you know, the, you know, Magnus Bane has a spell on Alec. And that's why Robert Lightwood has to do everything that Alec says because, you know, because, because Magnus and us, I was just like, oh my God. Oh my God. And they and, truly believed it to their mm-hmm. core. They believed it to the core. And, and she, you know, of course, she, I don't know. I don't know if Cassie did this, but like that example was so good because we have been so close with Magnus and Alec for so long that we know, like, not only is that not the case, but they have such a good, deep, healthy love and relationship with each other that like it's insulting. And, and you just, you just want to like, Mm. And the work that has been put into that, because like, like as if it was this easy thing, mm-hmm. they were that that was the relationship through six books that you were fighting for. Yep. Well, and this is the first indication that we, like the reader, kind of get that the clave is like something's really going on in the clave because, like, before this kind of talk really wouldn't would be more under the table, right? Well, and of course, this is a reflection of the times, but and this goes back to. The silent majority. All, all of this. We'll go back to all of this. All of this because this comes up at the very end. Uh, but th- this is just, this would not have flown in the clave years ago. But there are problems happening in the clave. And it is so, so horrifying and so scary because none of our main characters besides uh, Diana in the Blackthorn, er, in the LA Institute, are of like, adult voting age like right. they like they don't have a say yet they can't do anything legally right and that's kind of, and that's also like repeated throughout the book too like when they're they're in the shadow market and they were like well did you vote and they were like we were like two <laughs> yeah. no we didn't or when they're with like the hunt or like with gwen or like the unsealy king they'll say like we're kids like they like they leaned into the fact that they were minors to save their asses a lot we like, oh nope, sorry, we had no hand in that. We're just kind of badass. And 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 I, I think that's important too because it drives it home for us, the reader, that these really are kids. Like they are kids. Like Ty Libby and K are 15, Emma 17, Julian's Drew like, is 13. Yeah, Julian is like 17 turning 18. Christine like, is 18. Yeah. Yeah, so like uh oh, it, yeah, because 18 uh, is like the gap year, your travel yeah. year kind of thing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So the Centaurians are there and everything is like chaos and they are just the most racist. I have racist, awful, 
Awful. But but I don't know if you picked it up. John Cartwright is there. John Cartwright is Simon's classmate from the academy. And his okay. girlfriend is the is the she was the mundane that tor- turned Marisol. She was the one that always pestered John Cartwright about like mundane things and made him like bullied him about it. And then they started dating. So that's a nice little like Easter egg. They're both centurions. So that's nice. But then John Cartwright gets fucking decapitated. So that is sad, but that's why we read everything. Uh, But, but were you in blind rage when you found out about Diego and Zara? Oh, 100. I was, it was like 7.30 in the morning when I yeah. got to that part. And I was texting you. And I was like, ah, uh, ah. Uh, I was just so mad because I go, watch this be the ex who's just, nope, they just. And then, but Zara would do something like that because Diego did technically break up with her. And he goes, oh, she got the letter. She just she didn't, didn't care and showed up. And like, maybe I still just don't like, and then. I was just, I was angry. I, because then, you know, what hurt was then when Christina was upset in her room and Emma obviously goes after her and she was waiting just to be like, if he really loves me, he'll come after me. And I, how many times have, you know, people been in a relationship and an argument and somebody walked and, you know, maybe it's not the most mature thing, but let's remember their kids are 18, you know, whatever it is. You walk away and all you want is someone to fight for you and to go after you. And that doesn't happen. I mean, Christina can unalive somebody and I'd be like, cool, where's the body? Like, I'd be like, I'm a like ride or die. Um, so it hurt. Like it hurt to and you're annoyed and then you're like, Diego's a little bitch. Like, I know that there's more things involved, but Zara's just, just saying her name. Like, and knowing that there's a store, like, I don't shop at that store anyway, will even less now. So She is. She's a terrible person. She's a terrible person. She's a terrible person. Uh, But, and and Diego, you know, we do get hints that there's something, like, more going on with Diego and and with Jaime. Uh, But we get this, as you said, this beautiful moment with Christina and Emma after this confrontation and it's one of my favorites between uh, Emma and Christina. Emma goes up there and Christina's just like, I think she's on the roof and she doesn't even turn around. She's like, he didn't come after me. He didn't come after me, just as you said. But then we have a really lovely moment where they're talking about the green flash at sunset. And Emma's just like, yeah, we used to come up here and wish on on the green flash, you know. And, and Christina's like, what the fuck is that? Like, <laughs> what? But then, you know, it happens and they wish. And it's just this quiet, really quiet, private moment between the two of them that kind of just kind of adds another layer to their friendship. Because they say like, you know, oh, I'll, you know, I'll hurt him. You know, I won't lay a finger on him. You know, wink, wink. I won't touch him. Wink, <laughs> wink. And, you know, it's very similar to those friendships that things don't need to be said in order. You know, thing, things can still be left unspoken, but doesn't know that they're, they're not there. They're not meant. There's something special in those times that you can just stay silent. And it's just as important. Staying silent was very difficult for me throughout this book. Um, <laughs> I was screaming when Clary gave kit james harrendale's ring i lost my shit uh i i remember 
just just dying. But this just now, I was just like, oh, oh. Uh, and that, and that is just like built upon because we do end up in London later. But I thought that was just a nice little moment. It was just like, oh, this is a nice little ring. Uh, and we have these, these Mark and Christina moments. Oh my gosh. These Mark and Christina moments where Mark is just like, what, like, am I dreaming? I was thinking of you and here you are. And he like touches her face with both of his hands and he's just like this ethereal. I fucking love Mark Blackthorne. Like, it makes me like I feel like I need to go back and reread the Shadow Hunters Academy because we have a lot of like you've been saying I love Mark Black Blackthorn. I love Mark Blackthorn, especially because we've done like obviously the novellas and you've guided me through those. But it was always just snippets. And obviously it was snippets when he was in Fairy. So he, you know, he doesn't have like or he like it, it's just another um just more information you know like when you do any type of reread you're like oh my god and this whole time now i know this whole different part of him while he's going through this you know oh mark blackthorn oh my gosh i just i love him i love him so much because 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 uh i like when gwen gwen is just like hey hey mark blackthorn kieran is in trouble kieran murdered he murdered Aralak. like things are going things are happening you need to go get kieran he he and you like go get him and i like how mark is like not going to i i like the struggle here that because because what it what is it it's it's emma julian diana mark and gwen it's like hey you need to go rescue Kieran. you need to go rescue kieran um because that happens when uh, Julian and Emma are like making out on the tree, right? And what does yeah. he write on her? He writes the I, I am, am ru- ruined. I am ruined. Ah! Oh! Julian, you're gonna ruin Julian. me. That's her fucking sure. Julian. Julian. I am ruined. Like and and knowing what we know now about the Parabatai curse, circle back to that. Just like how he is beyond like ruined, right? Like, anyway. and he doesn't even know about the curse. At doesn't that know. Point. Doesn't know at this point. Like, but this like this whole time, like she's dying. She's dying inside, and every time he is just like reacting with like just saying something malicious. You know, he's clearly not his best self because he's hurt. He's broken, and you're just like, oh, you don't even know. She's like literally doing everything she can so you can be here for your siblings so you don't turn on them it's like oh my god um one of my favorite things about shadow hunters is that cassie claire is best friends with holly black and holly black does my favorite um like uh, fairy situation and we get a lot of fairy here and there's even they even say the folk of the air uh they they say that i underlined it go rescue kieran these are the folk of the air um so well even the revel that they have mm-hmm, when they go mm-hmm. like I, it just felt very i felt like i was like it was straight out from the cruel the cruel prince it was it's amazing it's amazing so when mark and um emma christina and julian take the moon road I love this imagery, this, this, you know, this, you're walking on the ocean, this moon road, and then they have to, uh, what, what is there? What is, it's a puka. And the puka is going to like take one thing from them and like tell them one thing. Oh my gosh. Uh, that whole situation 
on them with the moon road is very, I don't know, like creepy silent. And I think would be a really beautiful like poster, but that is just me. That is just me talking. Um, the runes don't work in fairy. So we're talking about the blight. Like, so this is the blight. There's always a blight. Right? I was going to say, I was like, this is the second blight, but I know what a blight is now. Yeah. We got a blight here. So we have a blight where, where angelic magic does not work. And that is super fucking scary. So they are just on their own. And um, I bring that up because Emma says that in the fight. And I do really just, I like that. Um, but I um, I also want to say, uh, Julian is talking about like, um, he's talking about Kieran and he's talking about Mark and, and everybody's talking and everybody's talking, but there's a quote here and it says, um, don't wish that you don't fear anything because if you don't fear anything, you don't feel anything. And if you don't feel anything, you're not alive. And I just that quote and then knowing how everyone is feeling at the end is just like, oh my God, I told you, I went back and looked for foreshadowing. Um, and of course you talked about the revel, uh, we need to talk about the binding, right? The binding is a huge plot here and the binding happens in fairy. And that's what I, like, obviously Mark knew what it was. He's like, get it off real quick. I can't remember how come the binding worked because they both accepted it because when it was given, yeah. like it wasn't forced on them. They were like, yeah. oh, stick out your hands. And they were just like, okay. Yeah, it was like freely. Yeah, it was freely given. Oh, that's what it was. It was freely. Okay, because I go, wait, but it was like they put it on. They, as in the Fae. Yeah, but they were like not, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But they were like distracted with each other, you know, and it was just like, oh. Yeah, they were like doing, they were trying to focus on this other. Oh, because she was. She started drinking the the juice yeah. or whatever. There was like a lot going on there. Yeah, there was a lot going on. Uh, yeah, so the fairy binding, the fairy binding happened, and that's like super intense. I, I I like the fairy binding, although every time that they described it, my wrist did start to be like, meh, meh. I don't like that. Uh, but we should talk about the unseely king and the unseely court. So we're going to get Kieran right. Um, I have an illustration here of what the king's face looks like. So the unseelie king, this is, he's got Kieran. There's like a trial. There's a whole situation. Um, the king, the left side of his face is like gray and mottled with no eye. And the right side of his face has a red eye and it's very young and he's very handsome. Just very, very creepy. And it's like split right down the middle. Um, the unseelie court, very scary, right? We have the riders of Manon. We have all of this situation. We have Prince Aramek. Um, we have Prince Adamant, very not cool. The, the, the whole trial by combat situation that happens is so scary to me because Emma says, like, I don't have my runes. I was gonna, I was gonna, you know, um, rely on my sure strike rune, but I don't have it. Like, shit, I could lose it. Or her speed. Like, she knew Mm -hmm. she's a good fighter, but then she real, like, after her first swing, she, she's like, Wait, like I can't. She she can't move as fast. She can't strike as fast. Like that's when she gets scared because she she didn't realize how much she relied on those. And I do want to bring up there is like a riddle here, right? The unseely king. He's like, how am I going to choose which one of you will be my uh, like champion for a trial by combat? Like I'm going to ask you something and you give me your answer. Um, Mark says a rose because he's thinking about Christina. Christina's thinking about an angel because she's always thinking about the angel. Uh, Emma is thinking about a sword because she's thinking about Cortana. And Julian is thinking about bars because his entire life, 
is a cage. Yeah. Just like, oh my God. Just a little a little insight into all of our characters here. Um, but then this trial by combat, the runes don't work and Emma pulls the, the mask off at the end and there's an illusion because he is a toad, but she sees her father and that would freak me out. I would be completely done. I could not no. do what Emma did. No, absolutely not. Because even at that point, she doesn't realize that it's she just thinks it is her dad somehow, even though she's just going back and forth like it doesn't make sense. Because then later she has this. She goes, I know when I came in, somebody told me that I'm going to have to unalive somebody that I love. I knew it like that. And the fae can't lie. Fairy can't lie. So it was true. I wouldn't have been able to just like look past it, even if I knew it was an illusion, because there would always be a part of me hoping that it's not. Yeah, just oh, I mean, uh, like I don't uh, want can we like <laughs> I know, I know. It's just absolutely, absolutely awful. But Emma is a fucking badass and she sees through the illusion, bam done, and the king lets him go. She Julian kind of outsmarts the king here. Um there's a there's a lot going on. Emma wins. They get out of there through misadventure. But then they got to haul ass out of there, though. Yeah, then they got to haul ass out of there. Um, But then we cut back to the Institute. We cut back to the Institute. And then we have one of my favorite scenes, which is Diana looking at Zara. And I have it underlined. Shut up, you stupid child. I love it. I love it. Cause, cause, oh, that's right. Because now we're in we're in LA Institute. Sorry, yeah. I'm like now we're in, I know because there's a lot going. Now we're in LA, and this is when Malcolm comes. This is Malcolm's giant reveal, right? Because like there's there's we didn't even get into the sea monsters. That's why the Centaurians are there. <laughs> the sea true. monsters attacking the Santa Monica Pier. The whole Ferris wheel, great fight scene. And the sea monsters technically only have a lifespan of two days, so they keep reappearing, and that's why like yeah, everybody's kind of on high alert. Yeah. Yeah, so Malcolm Fage shows up <laughs> and he's carrying the decapitated head of John Cartwright. Very sad. Um, and he wants more Blackthorn blood and he's going to send, you know, the sea demons to land until they, he gets it, you know, on and on and on. And Emma, Emma, <sighs> what can we say? Emma saves the fucking day again. Uh, but then we get, we get, we get to London we go. To the London Institute. Oh, my goodness. It's been a while. It's been a year since we've been, well, since we discussed it. Well, and I guess since when we're releasing these episodes. So that kind of coincides really well. Um, It's been a while since we revisited the London Institute. And... I I don't care what people say. I love I love Easter eggs. I usually like I'm not, you know, Marvel fans get super excited. There's Easter eggs. I don't know the Easter eggs at all. This I knew the Easter eggs. It was so good. And there was all these little throwbacks and then like tie. Okay, so they go to the London Institute through a portal because they need to escape the L.A. Institute because they're basically under attack. Uncle Arthur Blackthorn stays back sacrifices himself because he will be the Blackthorn blood. Um, you know, and he does have like some internal like model, internal monologue about like this person in front of them, like his family loved him more than himself. Like he's a little bit more lucid, but really the importance is of they get out They're at the London Institute. Ty is there. He's looking at first. Adi- I mean, I think anybody who is listening to this knows like we're like we focus a lot on bookish 
you know, episodes and just fandoms and exploring in general. But finding a first edition of anything that you love, I mean, I think we were all Ty in that moment. And then to follow up with it where he was like, somebody named Will H. scribbled all in these first editions of these books that he was just like going crazy over. And I was like, Will, Will, oh my God. Oh my God, Will. Um, Bridget, we have Bridget, right? Um, I I couldn't believe it. I go, there's no way it's the same Bridget. Did you catch the joke at the end that kind of solidifies it? Uh, um, uh, Drew asked for scones. She asked for like meals, uh, scones to bring up to Jaime. And Bridget started <laughs> laughing. Did. And she's like, and Bridget started laughing. And I have no idea why scones were so funny. But we know. <laughs> now I, I didn't make a comment. We know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Bridget. Uh, so we have Bridget. We have uh, the Will Herondale. Jessamine is there. Jessamine. Um, just, I love it. I love it. I was going to say, there's also like initials that I know that I, I know, I assume, but don't necessarily know. Um, I think like Lucy Herondale's mm-hmm. initials are there. And then like somebody, like it was like initial B. And I was like, well, the B is probably a Blackthorn. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot going on where I'm like, oh, if I knew that Easter egg, but I know it's a Easter egg. So mm-hmm. like those are fun nods because this, the London Institute we know so much about. Yes. Somewhere where we don't know a lot about is fairy. We just don't know a lot about fairy. There aren't a lot of maps because the, the location changes, but, uh, Julian, Emma, Mark, Christina, and Kieran on the run after Ju- after Kieran is saved the hill opens up and Neem takes them in under the hill i love that i love the imagery i love all of it i love all this backstory that Neem gives us and i fucking love Julian playing the fairy queen like that like oh my gosh Julian negotiating Julian being like hey hey what 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 can we do for each other here okay okay and then she tells him how to break the pair by cur- the pair by tie she needs the bu- i'll say like, i'll that- say curse i'll say curse <laughs> yeah i'll say curse but she needs a black volume everybody needs a black volume well, right she, i don't think she said that she knew she knew she needs the book to break it she wasn't specific and at first when i heard that i was just like okay he's you know, he's tortured. He His heart is broken. He just wants to cut off the curse from Emma. It wasn't till I don't remember at what point in the book that I realized, oh, this isn't just a him. Like, you know, with um, when we were discussing uh, Eternal Sunshine, it's just like that one person's memory is taken away. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just going to be a him thing, like a him and Emma thing. I didn't realize it was um, like... In the originals, where if you kill the original vampire, mm. it's everybody that they sired after. I didn't realize it was going to be, you break the Parabatai curse, everybody who has a Parabatai, because not everybody does. That's something that mm-hmm. everybody's like, it, I thought was curious. This book, everybody's acting like Parabatais are a super normal thing. And I remember it being a discussion that Parabatais are rare. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So I just thought it was interesting. Like it just felt very Oprah in this book of everybody's getting a pair of a tie. Well, I mean, I guess not. But the discussion was. There. Yeah, I guess he answered the answered question. <laughs> we the reader don't know until Julian tells us at the cottage, but Julian knows 
from this moment. He knows from this moment that she tells him, like, he just doesn't tell us. Like, we don't know, but we know uh-huh. later that he has that knowledge in the back of his head. So he's got this deal with the fairy queen, right? That she will, um, you know, if the shadow hunters de- uh, break the coal piece, the fairy queen will provide her armies to defeat the unseelie king because the unseelie king is going to wage war on shadow hunters. That's the plot. That's what's going on. That's the deal that Julian has brokered. And then Kieran is her emissary and Kieran will swear all of that is true on trial at uh, the clave. Right. That is the, that is the rest of the plot for the rest of the book. Everything else is like supplementary, but like that's the rest of the plot. And then we have that quote. Julian was the kind of person that could go to hell and come out with the devil owing him a favor. And that is true. He's so hot. He's so hot. He and he <laughs> and the way that Emma describes it too is like he is he is stone-faced. He there's like nothing there. He is not giving anything away. He is like a poker player. He will mm, but he also has like that that power behind him too, like I love it. I love it. Julian. My goodness. My goodness. Uh, but if we go back to the London Institute, I, I, I wrote it down. The initials. Emma is in Jem's room, right? And she's seeing all the photos of everybody. And she's like, some of them she's describing everybody. I go, oh, that's Will. Like, Because then she says yeah. she sees a light-haired boy. And I was like, that's Jem and Will when Jem had white hair. She doesn't, just, she doesn't know, know Jem like that. Yeah. It's just, I love that she also knows now of her relation with Jem because she's like, oh, now it makes sense why I'm in this room. I see, like, there's Jem's initials and then she sees, like, other photos. She sees the photo of, like, Daddy Will yes. and she's like, that looks like Tessa. I think that's Tessa. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I just, ugh. Her clutching. I'm trying. Sorry. We could. To the closest thing that she has to fam- blood family is such a beautiful thing. I mean, you see it at the end of the book too, where she's like, I really hope that Jem can be here for her exile, for her, you know, the exile exile ceremony, because then she won't feel so alone. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, I'm trying to say this without being like super emotional. Um, I think it's just a continuous thing with Emma as like, again, maybe I don't think I'm, Good, getting too deep into it but emma is it's just the constant dialogue that she doesn't feel like you know from the first book she's like she'll sacrifice herself because it's just her this book it happens again she'll be the she is constantly even though she has her you know her found family she has the people that she loves and cares about and who love her how lonely and isolating it can feel and she just she's just kind of like just feels like she can be tossed away all the time and it's heartbreaking it's heartbreaking it's how can you not relate to it i mean great for the people who can't who don't know what that means Mm -hmm. but just you know it's you see it time and time again that she just thinks that so little of her i don't want to say self-worth she just knows what she can bring to the table and she's always like well better better you better me than you even mm-hmm. when she was like talking about julian she just goes um if you if 
I if I was going to be sad forever, it was going to be okay. It, that would be okay as long as you were fi- like. It's just ugh, ugh. I, I just my heart is like it hits you. Well, then you bring you bring up the heart part of it all, which is Julian and Emma and their forbidden love. They're deep, deep forbidden love. They're pining for each other, and they're like their knowledge that. And Julian says it the best as he always does, but like they are being punished for the rest of their life for a choice that they made when they were 12 and like, you can't undo it. And it's just like, first of all, like why did anyone let us do this? First of all, but also like, why, why, you know, I, and, and they say like, even Robert says like, I don't, I don't know why I don't know why I just know not to. And, and, uh, and so you have all of that in the back of the head, like, oh my God, there's so many, there's so many fucking tropes here. Um, but then, okay. But then Julian and Emma end up going off to the cottage and then we can just talk about what they do in the cottage. Cause, oh my God. Uh, and then Ty Levy and Kate go to, um, like Blackthorn Manor, like Lightwood Manor, of course, you know, uh, and then, but then, uh, they get the crystal and then they go to the shadow market and Ty kind of freaks out at the, the shadow market. He has, he has a, an episode. Um, but Kit is there and Kit, I really feel for Kit here because Kit's like, I can do the shadow market. Like we're in a different city. We're in a different country. I know the rules. Like they've never been. I can, I can show them something cool instead of them having to always explain everything to me. I can show them a little bit of what my life was like. So I feel for Kit here. But then like Livy gets hurt. Like this is our first, our first experience with Livy being hurt and Ty's reaction to that. Um, so like that was a little bit of foreshadowing too. But this, this and taking oh. the blame, like he felt like, because we know from the first book, I think that he does, he isn't going to be uh, Livy's parabatai. He's not that kind of shadow hunter. He wants to initially go to the like the school of ants so he can be like a detective. He wants to be a centurion where he's not necessarily on the front of the lines. Like he understands and knows where his you know his forte is, and it he's like. Can I be a shadow hunter? Can I kick ass? I know I can, be, but like, is that what I want? Not necessarily. Oh, God. Ty, Livy, and Kit are saved by Magnus, but there's also a random warlock Shade? that helps them. Shade. What? You're looking at me. I, I feel like he was mentioned, and they didn't, that's not even his name. They like, made it a point to say he introduced himself as Shade. Like, there was a, it was a, a weird wording where I was like, that's not his name. This is gonna... And it didn't really, like... I go, this is gonna have payoff or more insight later. But I don't feel like I got it in this book, so it'll probably be, like, next. There, there, yeah, yeah. He's also green. Uh, it's just it's just a funny little... It's just a funny little thing that there is payoff later uh, with merch that I want, so it needs to make... Um, <laughs> But but yeah, so that that is that is really great. Uh, at this same time, at the same time, though, we need to talk about the memory because the memory and the thing is like you know a, a catalyst. Um, the memory that they find at the manor, I say they Ty, Livy, and Kit is Inquisitor Dearborn. Ugh, fuck him. Uh, and Annabelle's being tortured. You know she's being accused. She's being called unclean. Because she was in love with a downworlder. Because she was in love with a down a downworlder, uh, and then you know Felix Blackthorn uh, killed her, and the Herondales, you know, were there, and they all covered it up. 
Okay, yes, all of that. Before I forget. So, yes, she's in love with a downworlder. We find out through reading the diaries that Malcolm was Malcolm MFB, Malcolm Fade Blackthorn. What we know from Shadowhunter Academy is that you can take a Shadowhunter last name kind of thing like Simon does. So, is, like, I... I like my, I guess my question is with Malcolm. How is that? Con- is he like he was already accepted? He was given a shadow hunter name. So like, why was this shit still happening? Was it just because well, technically you're a downworlder, and like we don't like people who are different than us? Yeah, I used air quotes. Yeah, it's it's like a not in my house kind of situation, <sighs> you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just so gross. Like, I don't have a problem with downworlders. I just don't want my child yeah. to... Do- that's that's what it's That's given. what it is. Oh, it's so... I'm so, like... It's disgusting. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Uh, and then that is the memory. So we, we need to know that. Um, we... We... Okay. The cottage. Malcolm's cottage. I love this cottage. I want to vacation at this cottage. This cottage seems amazing. I really love it. Julian and Emma have a fucking time at the cottage with the diaries, with everything. Um, Annabelle shows up at the cottage and Annabelle like spills all the tea, right? Annabelle's like, hey, he woke me up, but I was like half alive. My body was not. My brain was. That was hell. Death is a gift. Death is a gift, she says. And she was fine. She was like, she didn't have any like bad afterlife thoughts she was like it was fine i was at peace yes it was fine death is a gift we should all have like you know being brought back was was hell you know that was awful um she's like there's gonna be war and then she spills all of the tea about the unseelie king and everything that he did and everything that he's been doing uh and kind of the a little bit of backstory there and the unseelie king just kind of scares the shit out of me um but you know, then, then I'm, I'm like, I feel Ugh. like the Unseely King, we hear, we really only hear directly from him in the beginning of this book, but all like, I was wondering, I go, Lord of Shadows, that's this Unseely King, but he wasn't a huge player, but in a way he was, he was, he was through all of like the background stories that we were finding out. Yes. Yes. And obviously his role in the end. Yes. Uh, I, I'm just thinking. There's just like so much. We there's still. So it's just much. so long. Okay. 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 So the Unseely King sends the writers of Manon after Emma and Julian. This is a huge plot, and Emma's the only person ever to take one down. She yeah. literally unalives them, and they freaked out. Yes. And then they were like, "Run away! Run away!" Yes, because Cortana. Of the same steel and temperament as Dorndal and the other one that I can't think of right now, uh, is can cut through anything. It can cut through anything. And that's when they realize they're like a sword from Wayland. Yes, they Wayland like, the that, that, Yeah, yeah, they were like, this is a sword from Wayland. This, that was not only were they scared because she unalived one of the one of the writers of Manon. It was all. It was also the fact. It was like it was a. It was a twofer. Yes, it was absolutely a twofer. Uh, fucking insane and then the uh but before that uh emma and julian used their power but had power to burn down a stone church after being sent there by like a trap and that's how she knew yeah because that's how she oh well sorry i should clarify that's how she knew that 
uh, Julian was still in love with her because now that she had this information about the parabatai being able to create runes, it's stronger than anything, things that they're not supposed to do. Um, she thought that he still hated her because she was dating Mark and then that whole thing. I mean, he said some awful things. Yeah. All back and forth throughout, like, even though he was hurt, he did, he did say some awful things, but that's when she realized she, and that's when they have like the huge kind of blowout fight at the cottage too. Um, Annabelle's not there when she realized she was like, we weren't supposed to do that. You're still in love with, and she called him out right away because there was no way to dance around that. Yeah. And, um, I, I have, it's a big square on my notes. It says <laughs> only ever Julian, never jewels again. He, this is just <sighs> Julian, just like coming apart at the seams, right? They, they've, they've had it out. They, they've had it out. It's like, I've been broken for weeks. I need to, I need to be whole. And then of course, Julian's famous line. Jess, you know it? Do you? I don't have my notes in front of me, but I know I typed it out to you. Yeah, it is. Um, break my heart. Break it into, break it a into peace. Yeah. Ah, oh, Julian. Cassandra Clare, every time she writes, uh, like, you know how I was back and forth between Jem and Will, and then ultimately, like, I think Will won in the end. Like, now I'm kind of like, is it Julian? Every time she gives me someone good, I'm like, ooh, maybe it's Julian. Maybe Maybe it's it's Julian. Julian. Now, imagine Julian looking at you dead in the eyes, completely in love with you, saying, break my heart, break it into pieces. I give you permission. I mean, that's, that's, that's very Cardin. Yell at me, scream at me, do what you want. Just come home and yell at me. Mm-hmm. Just come home. Oh, my God. And then, okay, but this is my favorite part about this whole cottage situation. I love that Emma tells Julian everything. She's like, thank God. About yeah. Time, like, I was, I was kind of worried if she was ever, like, I knew she would eventually tell him. I didn't think it was going to happen in this book, though. Mm-hmm. Um. I and I didn't think it was going to be right in the middle because oh, I feel it felt like in the middle. I don't know. I spent the whole day reading. Yeah, <laughs> but what a, it felt like a relief, you know. And I love that he like it was a very intimate moment. It was after they had spent the night together, and then he goes, "You need to tell me everything," and she did. She, she did. was like, and that's why. And he called her out on it even at the end of the first book. He was like, he knew. That he was like, and it had to be Mark. And she's like, it had, it had like, to he be Like, he knew Mark. exactly where, knew. when she shared all this, he knew exactly where his, her mind was the entire time. And then after it, he goes, do you know how stupid you sound? <laughs> like, not, like, in a, you know, not in a mean way, but he's like, it was never going to be anybody else. It was, I wouldn't, he goes, I might have been frustrated. I might have been hurt, but I was never going to stop loving you. Oh, oh Julian. Man. God. But Julian, then, then this is the moment where Julian tells uh, Emma, um, you know, the puka said that I would meet someone that would tell me how oh. to break the curse, and the Sealy Queen told me how to break the Parabite curse, but it'll break them all. It'll break them all. And then that's when Emma is like, "No, what about everybody, yeah, no, we can't, we can't do this." And Julian is just like, "Bet." Um, but then they, and then later on, they get caught by Magnus, and then Magnus is just like, "Oh my <laughs> god." Oh, my God. Did Magnus not know? No. I thought he walked in on them. Last book, he's like, I've walked in on your ancestors doing worse. Oh, no. He said that just... Who did he say that to? He said Kit. it just... Yeah. He said it to someone else. Because he was like... Yeah. He said yeah, it to somebody it not, else. Okay. That's... No, it, was it wasn't not them. Because he's like, okay. Parabatai. Parabatai. Oh, my God. Like, 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that, that is that. Um, and then the, the other side plot is, uh, Drew is with Jaime and they have, they have like a little secret friendship. Um, there is a little flash here. There's a little flash here, um, of, uh, Drew picking up the object that Jaime has in his bag and she goes to another place and she sees another person and she talks with somebody else. I know who that person is, uh, but I forgot about him. I forgot he existed. So I had to go and, um, is that when she like kicks his bag or something yeah. and then she comes back and she's like, wait, the bag is gone. When did he yeah. come? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that. That vision is very important, and that will come back in the third book. Uh, that person is just, mm, but that was very important, very important, very important. Um, we, of course, have to talk about Diana. Diana is a trans woman in this book. How do we feel about that? I love Diana. I love Diana. I didn't think I was going to because of like how things happened in the first book because i think even when i started this book i was like why is diana still here mm-hmm. um i liked her and i was reading it and i like i can't speak from personal experience so i can't say i i don't feel like i have a right to say if it was good representation um but i can say that i thought it was done beautifully and i can say that if um i can only imagine what that could be seeing for, for people if this is if this was portrayed the right way um to the community how significant that moment must be yes yes uh, there has been criticism that diana just does it like for gwen to get like an acceptance situation and that doesn't have to be it of course i as you said uh no opinion no opinion whatsoever i don't know uh for the story and for me i thought it was very lovely uh, it worked for me. I can't speak in if it worked for anybody else. Right. And I like also um, Gwen. One of the things I think I texted you was Gwen always striked me as a person where he was he's the type who like he loves the person and not the gender. He was, I mean, but that seems like very aligned with Faye with, in general, yeah. which is I mean, he I mean, he's part of the hunt. He's a lead of the hunt. He's like, you know, exiled exiled Faye in a way. Um, so it's always about the person, which it should be. Talking about Faye. Uh, we need to talk about the projection of the Unseelie King in like Christina's bedroom, right? Very scary, very scary, very scary. Um, I have here that something that is very cruel that fairies do is they play with the mind and they play with memories. We know this with Arthur. But Kieran has up until this point, and we're getting close to the end here. Uh, Kieran has up until this point not had the memories of calling Gwyn and telling, uh, you know, about Mark and being having Julian and Emma be whipped and Mark breaking up with him and that whole like part of their relationship. Kieran doesn't remember that. And this whole time, Kieran has been very weird and he doesn't understand what the vibe is, but everybody is trying to be like really polite about Kieran because he's going to testify. So they have to keep him happy. But like Mark is still like very much in love with Kieran, but is uh, it's weird without that. He has the actual, yep. like he has the true memory Again, not, not to refer to like Eternal Sunshine again, but it's like remember how we didn't like the fact that um, Elijah Wood was like mm-hmm. this is this is just like not beneficial. Like you had or you know not not just that movie or like um, a touch of ruin where you have Persephone and Alexa. Um, there's so many examples actually now that I'm thinking about it because now I'm also states. thinking oh and um, Book of Night like 
all all of them, mm-hmm. you know, just because you have the memory doesn't mean other people do. And I respect the fact in this case that Kieran or not Kieran, Mark is like there, you know, when Kieran's trying to be physical with him, Kieran's like, mm, not tonight, hon. Mm-hmm. Like he's just he there. there's it's it's a beautiful thing because it, it's an it's a question of ethics in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, And he's like, this isn't right. And you, you find that out later, even in their their. Um, their fight when when Kieran does find out everything, um, he's like, "Were you gonna tell me? Were we gonna continue? How was this gonna? Like, I don't feel right about any of this, you know." And Mark says, "Like, neither do I." <laughs> no. Yeah, it's like neither do I. But 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 I do really love. Uh, Christina says it in the beginning of the book, and I I just find it really beautiful when she's talking to Mark. She says, "Like, uh, fairies don't ve- don't see honesty as a weakness; they see it as a strength." So honesty in the presence of Mark and Kieran is just, um, you know, a, a strength to them. And it just is like a bond. So she feels very strong with them and very powerful. And I do really like that. Um, that like honesty can bring you um, that kind of feeling in that relationship. Because throughout this book, Mark, Kieran, and uh, Christina have had a very sparky sexual tension that we love. All of that, I I really love it. I mean, even Emma is like, holy hell, Mm -hmm. you're going to have a sexy fairy Fairy threesome. threesome. And I'm going to say, I knew you when. (laughs) I love it because every time, like, everybody's chemistry sparks off the page individually with Mm -hmm. each other and as a group. Mm-hmm. That dancing in the ballroom. Oh, oh my God. Yes. I just imagine Kieran like leaning against the door and be like, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Uh, like, ah, Kieran. <laughs> Kieran Kingston. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. So Kieran has all of his memories back. All right. Uh, so Magnus. Magnus is here. Magnus is doing things. Magnus is drinking a lot. Magnus's hands are shaking. Uh, Magnus tells, I believe, Julian that he is also dreaming about the City of Blood again. Um, and oh, and then uh, Magnus is talking to Julian and Emma, and they are coming clean. Right? This is their coming clean. And they're, they're like, Magnus, what do we do? What do we do? And Magnus says, uh, look up the, look up the story of Silas Pangborn and Eloisa Ravenscar. And then you need to go tell Robert Lightwood, tell him everything, 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 because the Parabatai curse is you go mad, you don't recognize your family, and then you turn into like an all consuming monster. And that is like Julian's worst fear is like harming his family, right? Or like harm happening. And he even says that. He's like, but I wouldn't harm my family. And Magnus is like, you don't understand. You're no longer yourself. They are nothing to you in that moment. You don't even recognize anybody. So it wouldn't matter. Julian has one of my favorite quotes here. He's like, "Um, like, don't you know, like Emma means universe? Like, like you were, God. Okay. 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 Moving on. We're almost there. We're almost I there. I just wasn't, I wasn't expecting to have like such a, having another book boyfriend to the list. I because... know, right? Okay. So Annabelle comes to the London Institute and they negotiate with her and she's, they're all, they're all going to go. They're all going to go testify. Okay. So they all go through the portal and they all make it to Alicante. 
Um, Helen and Aline are there. Everything is wonderful. And Emma and Julian go and talk to Robert Lightwood. All right. So I sent Jessica, Jessica Marie, that's you. I sent you <laughs> um, five pages of an excerpt from a story in Ghost of the Shadow Market that I thought were relevant to help make the story of Robert Lightwood hit just a little bit harder. And I think I succeeded. Um, but we get Emma describing the tapestry of Alec above above his his desk. And like mm-hmm. we 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 have that. So when Emma Emma's describing it, but then we have these other pages where um Alec Robert is talking about like I've got the tapestry there. I'm talking you up to other people. Like, do you want this? And he's like, the inquisitor, so it's like front and center when anybody comes into his office. Mm-hmm. It's and it's a constant. Also, like I understand it from like a political. It's constantly in your head of look at the sacrifice that my son, my son helps save this world and we are here because of him and i like i, I like um alec where he's like here i just thought it was because you loved me yeah <laughs> uh, so that story i think is very important um that you read so that you can understand like the the impact that is here but we also know from uh shadow hunter academy that robert lightwood's parabatai was in love with him michael whalen mm-hmm. was in love with robert lightwood and robert was like very um, horrible, very horrible to him. And then, um, Michael died. And that is why Max's middle name is Michael. And that's why Robert calls him his little Eminem. Okay. All, that was all of this. So cute. Like, what a, like, cute I little know, grandpa right? nickname. Oh, all of this stuff. And then, of course, uh, we get Robert talking. Uh, this is in the novella. We get Robert talking about, like, you know, he had such a good time at the family dinner, and Alec is thinking in his head, like, it was so weird and it was so awkward, but like, this different memory. I can't talk about it for a long time because I'll start crying. But, but, but Emma and Julian come clean, come clean. And through a little bit of, like, just a little bit of manipulation, just a little bit, and a little fib here and there, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, they do get out of Robert that uh, he will facilitate the exile. He will do it. He will handle it. It will be done. But I love that Julian was like, "Yay! I also have some rules and stipulations." Yeah. If we, do. he's like, "Cool. All right. Terms and conditions, my man." Uh, and then, and then after this, we have. Magnus collapses, right? Magnus collapses. Magnus can't go to the meeting with Annabelle or with Kieran because Magnus collapses. And then Alec has to leave the the meeting because he goes running. What happens next is like 11 minutes of chaos, rage-inducing, panic, crying, and just ugly heaving. People want to talk about Miss Sarah J. Mass and her like crunch of the last 20% of the book books when she writes we did this on um we read this through audible 11 minutes people we did this whole book and then shit hits the fan in the last 11 minutes it's not just hitting the fan it is just like it's i just i described it to you as a pit in my stomach because you can see all of the pieces lining up the meeting mm-hmm. starts the cohort is there. There's but signs starts, that are there. And I don't know if it's the foreshadowing because I go, I feel like it started before that because I started texting you. I go, he's making promises. He's mm-hmm. making promises to the higher pow- the highest power to shadow hunters. And I go, that's never a good sign. It's There was so much foreshadowing. Like that, I didn't pick up on the 
uh, Livy stuff so much, but it was the promises where I was like, I'm, and that's when you texted me, you go pit and stomach moment. You know, like you just don't know what or how, but you know, it's going to get bad and not better. It's just going to get worse. That's it. And it does get worse. It gets worse. The cohort is there and they are racist. They have signs. They're, they are disrupting everything. Gia, bless her, is just trying to have like a fair and honest trial, telling everybody what's going on. There's blight and fucking Brooklyn Forest, for God's sake. Um, and, and Annabelle comes out. They are freaked out, right? They're like, she's not a shadow hunter. She's a revenant. This is dark magic. All a blaje, blaje, blaje. Mortal sword comes out. Great. Triggered for her. Yeah. Yeah. This is like, I don't want to touch it. And then that makes it worse because they're like, see, she's not a shadow hunter. And she's clearly just like, this is exactly, this is history repeating itself. Mm -hmm. Julian, you told me you were going to, and he was doing it like he was sticking up for her to show her that like, to so she knew that like no i promised you i was gonna at least be here like he couldn't say you know the whole magnus thing because he that's even what he was thinking. he's like i promised her i promised her mm -hmm. you know and she's she was raised from the dead after 200 something years like she's freaked out that she's going back into the situation that sh sh they killed her for they set up yeah. her 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 death and then she's holding the mortal sword so that proves that she's a shadow hunter and it proves that she's alive okay it's, it's, just, it's just like not enough right it's not enough because people people like that will always find something it's like oh yeah. she tainted the sword because she's she's not really alive so she tainted our holy object because she's that evil not just like you're wrong Right. Well, like, and that <laughs> like, is a full, that's, a, I mean, again, reflection of the times then and now and apparently consistent with history. Um, but also from beginning in the book, remember where they're supposed to be having like this night, I say they, the Centurions and the Blackthorns are at the LA Institute. The Centurions come, they're having some sort of shared meal and the Zara, spaghetti dinner. Yeah. And Zara's like making comments about Magnus and about Alec and the Inquisitor and all this stuff. And like rules against the shadow hunter or the downworlders. And obviously Emma and Julian and everybody are like, well, you're actually completely wrong because like Robert as the Inquisitor has no say on how things are handled in downworlder matters. X blah, 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 blah. And even though that they're presenting, the, I say they, like the Black, Blackthorns and Co. are presenting these facts to the Centaurians and to Zara, they're just being dismissive because it doesn't apply to how they want it to apply to them. Yes. Yes. And they take that mindset and now they're multiplied. There's a lot of them now and they're yeah. all in, um, they're at the clave. They're like, oh at, this hearing at the hearing. Situation. So Annabelle's got the sword and she's like, just ask me, just ask me if I killed Malcolm. Cause she's like freaking out. Right. And she does admit that she kills Malcolm and that sets off Zara and proving Zara is a fraud. Of course we know Zara's a fraud. We hate her. She's awful. Okay. Can she die? Can like that be a spoiler? You tell me. <laughs> I will can not. Can you just hear since we're recording? Oh, I was going to be like, we're recording. So you I can just not. shake your head into the camera. <laughs> I will not. I will not. I will not deprive you of any sort of emotion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so what happens? So the mortal sword, and then people start throwing stuff at Annabelle. People start throwing stuff at Annabelle, and she's got the mortal sword, and and she starts she starts losing it. She starts she starts losing it, and she fucking kills Robert Lightwood. She kills 
the fucking Inquisitor Alex and Isabel's dad. Um, incredibly upsetting. Incredibly upsetting. Even more so after you read those little pages. But like, oh my god. That's not even it. We're not done. Annabelle keeps going. She keeps going. And then what happens? She's got half. She's got half of the sword. Right. The sword breaks because Emma came up and Cortana Mm -hmm. like got part of the sword. Cortana can cut anything. Oh, right. And Cortana cut the mortal sword. She cut it in half. Uh, So uh, 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 Annabelle's got uh, uh, half of it. Like a shard. Like a shard like this. And Julian's trying to talk her down. And she, she just doesn't. She just doesn't have it. She's like, you're always lying. You're lying. And she flies across the room, you know, she like leaps across the room and Julian says like she's beautiful. She was a shadow hunter and all her like flowering glory. And then she stabs the mortal sword into Livy's heart. And I lost my mind. I screamed. Yeah. And then when Livy's only response was, oh, oh, I no, Yeah. 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 Yeah, and then Ty's reaction, of course. Uh, I I think it's uh, important to note that Emma says that she doesn't think that Ty can see Livy. Like, just they're so far away from each other. And she's Ty. hoping that he doesn't. But because, he clutches. Because like, this is another Ugh. thing that, like, this family is seeing. Like, it's not just you hear about it. You're there. You're witnessing. Ugh. Uh, and Ty, Ty clutches his chest. He goes bone white. And he falls down in a dead faint. Uh, and then, of course, Livy is dead, and Julian. Oh my God, he's on his he's on his knees, right? He's been knocked down. He's on his knees. He crawls over to Livy and he clutches her body and he starts rocking back and forth and screaming, "Livy, Livy, my baby, come back to me!" That is the image I told you just earlier before we started recording. Christian clutching Satine at the end of Moulin Rouge when he's just like screaming in pain. That is the same image that I have for Julian here. I'm like, yeah, doing, yeah you're like, like breathing over Ugh. here. <laughs> like I'm Ugh. trying. To- they hold it in, hold it in, uh, and and that is how that book ends. The book that- ends with the clock tolling and Julian screaming over Livy's dead body. The end. Fuck. And Emma's like, Emma's a doer, so she's like in like you were saying. She's like, tell me what you need, for, and she's she's at a loss in that moment. What because, do you do? Like, wh- and oh, and all she sees is that. Um, she looks up and Annabelle disappears or she sees half a golden crown. Yep. And then, which is the unsealy king. And then she sees Annabelle one second and the next she's gone. She's and gone. all she sees is the remnant of the crown or like the crown faded when they went. And she's like, and that's it. Yeah, that's it. And then Drew is sobbing. Mark, uh, she says that clutch. He's, he's with Ty. Ty and his, his shoulders are heaving. Tavi's not there. Uh, and Alec runs because Alec this whole time was with Magnus. Mm-hmm. And then I think who was there? There was somebody else in the room with Magnus and they switched out. So then Diego, they, Diego oh, went to you. go get Kieran cause, okay. cause, and take Kieran to the Scholomance. And Diego was like, you need to go, Alec, it's your dad. Yeah. And then that's when they switched out yeah. because she's like, oh, yeah, he's like, but whatever he said, it wasn't good. So he ran. And that's when he like walked into the scene of fucking chaos. Yeah, and it ends with Alec in complete shock, slumped against the wall, just deadly, like, not deadly, but, like, staring out at everything in shock. Well, yeah, exactly. There's there's shock. I, I feel like now that I have that excerpt, 
there's more to it now yeah. because it's it's not just his dad. It's also is this is it me now? Because yeah. it was never formalized. We don't know what's going on with the cave. You have the cohort who was essentially like the Dearborn. Again, history repeating itself because Zara Dearborn, her father is there. We know that the Dearborn was the inquisitor, the family inquisitor that put Annabelle through this all over again. I don't know what Annabelle was working because obviously the Unseelie King knew to show up then. So I don't know what, I guess we'll find out more what kind of, Thing happened there that he knew to show up and to take her. But at this point, I could also see where Annabelle is like, well, all these other people lied to me. Let me go, you know, I guess try the person that I don't know anything about because this is what I know about these people. It's a lot. <laughs> Talk to me about the narration because <sighs> the narration, to me, my opinion, James, does a fantastic job. I was not expecting it. Um, I've been actually pleasantly surprised because Marina did a good job narrating, but James, he was so... So James Marstairs uh, narrates this whole thing entirely, does a wonderful job. You, uh, you're excited. You love the storytelling. And I'm always, and this is just a personal thing for me, I'm always skeptical of narrators when this isn't kind of like their main source of income, for lack of a better phrasing. Basically, like if there's a celebrity narrator, mm -hmm. I question it because I think sometimes um, it can be perceived as, oh, I'm narrating a book. That's that's just me. It's just easy money. It's just me reading words on a page. And I think people who are who do this as a profession realize and know that the work that's involved with it um, and takes it seriously. And he does. I did. And, and there are also a lot of people that are audiobook narrators. They have they have a great source of income. That doesn't mean they're good at it. Um, that's not the case here. No, no. He's amazing. He's amazing. He has a unique cadence. So you have to kind of settle into his cadence. But once you do that, it is it is beautiful the way that he is able to he infuses a, like a seriousness to everything uh, that that really resonates with me. And he takes little moments and makes them very special just with his voice and the, the different accents that he does. Fabulous. And the way that he does female voices is also very good. Um, male narrators can struggle with that. And also, if you, you know, it, it's difficult. It's difficult. It's a difficult thing. But even like the little pixies that he did, too. I was like, that's just another element that I just wasn't expecting to come from him. It's like, where'd that voice come from? Spike? Really? Like, right. uh, and then and then his Spanish for and with Diego and Christina and all of that is like, it was very pleasing to the ear. It's not like some narrators where you're just like, oh, stop. Well, and some narrators don't even do the accents, too, because, you know, we've joked about it for ourselves. We're like, don't ask us to do an accent because, like, who are we? Like, we would struggle. And he does it so interchangeably where it, it, it's, a, it's an absolute skill set that I just wasn't expecting to come from him because I have only known him for Buffy. Right. And these are... I think we should make it clear. These are not short books. These are long books. This last one is like 30 plus hours at speed. Uh, these are big. And he is just, he, he's also calm. Is part, You know, like he's just, 
I don't, besides Nick Padel, particularly enjoy male narrators. I prefer women. But I will read almost anything from him if it's in my genre because like, wow, what what a talent that should be recognized a little bit more. And if, if you're on TikTok, I've been talking about this on TikTok a little bit, but like a little bit more respect to the narrators because they are the ones whose voices are in the clips of the edits of the books that we like and they don't get mm-hmm. any credit for that shit. No, absolutely. And it's such a skill set. And I think also like there are so many books that we love um and then it just adds to an additional like it, it brings the book even more to life you know and we've been so fortunate to be like okay if you thought you and you know and for some people audio narr- like reading via audio isn't you know that's not their thing and that's great too we're lucky that like we kind of have the you know we we have a um an episode about like traditional reading versus audio we have kind of that flexibility. We're fortunate, you know, and we're not saying like, oh, you can only do this or that, the other thing. No, like how lucky are we that we kind of get, you know, we have some flexibility in how we get to consume our media, understanding that that's not always the best thing for everybody. But if you are fortunate enough to to um, to be able to like process books and do audio narration um, and get into it, I mean... It, it opens up a whole different thing, you know, that you're luckily able to be exposed to. So wonderful. Oh, my gosh. And a criticism that we have had of Cassie Clare's books is that she doesn't stick with narrators, but she's sticking. She stuck with James for this one and uh, the third one, um, Queen of Air and Darkness, which is very exciting. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Jess, would you recommend this book? I would. Yeah? I would with I, – I, I don't know if I have like I, – I would read this book. I don't consider it a comfort read though. Like, but the characters are also com, it's, it's a, it's a delicate balance when it comes to Cassie Clare's work because you love the characters. The stories break you. Yeah. You know, you don't expect to get so attached. And with this particular book we were talking about before we started recording that, you know, you typically have like, like a female main character and a male main character and you have a bunch of side characters but this book particular particularly they there's so many side characters but their stories are just as impactful in what they're doing on these other quests that it that they they keep coming in they keep weaving in together in and out between the, i i say female main character like emma and julian i say in quotes as the main characters because they all are so prominent um everybody has a huge role in what's happening it's so good it's so good it's so good i would also recommend this book but like read all the other ones first (laughs) uh that's that's just me um i want to talk about the criticisms before we wrap this up the criticisms are the usual cassie claire criticisms look those up they're everywhere Uh, (laughs) uh people hate the diversity the complaint is that you're forcing diversity. It doesn't need to be here. You're forcing uh, modern language like autism onto a world that doesn't have those words. But it literally does because we are in the modern world. There's this just other sect that we don't necessarily know of because they're not Nephilim. I'm going to just choose to believe some of this stuff exists in real life because like real life sucks. So like, why not? Yep. Well, real life doesn't suck. This is like happening in real life. So yeah, I guess it does suck too. Uh, 
What else? What else is another criticism? Oh, the cohort, you know, you're, you're bringing politics into it. Why are you bringing politics? All of Shadowhunters is politics. Um, well, oh my, I, <laughs> I know, you know, I know. I it's, it's not like- even worth addressing. Is I, and we're just, we're just saying them. We're just saying them. Uh, the other ones are, um, put the translations of the, of the language in, you know, so with the Spanish, you know, you don't have to, that, that's stupid. Uh, there's other- I thought that was stupid, but I like I I don't speak fluently, but like it was, it was so basic that I was like I know what the, I know I know what's what being this is said. like yeah like come on and um oh the the sexuality stuff Diana uh all of that was I'm like rolling my eyes every time because God forbid we have books that reflect the world in which you know like yeah. it's not it's this is a you thing if you're having these criticisms. What are the other criticisms? Those are the only ones I can think of off the top of my head. Well, then they're they're not worthy of you know have, being criticized. Yeah, and and Correct. when I say the the like normal Cassie Clare stuff, it's the it's the like bullying stuff, the copyright stuff, and and the fact that she doesn't write new stories; they're just um, different like versions of the same thing. Whatever. What, Please if it's do your not own broke, research. Why fix it? Yep. Do your own research. All I know is that I cried really hard in this book and I did not expect to. And that says something about me. I, I, I hope. I love it. I love it. I mean, and what was one of my notes that I said? I said, I, te- I texted you. I said, fuck you, parentheses. I love you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, that's, that's the reaction because you're like, fuck. But thank you so much for bringing this into my life once again. <laughs> <laughs> so please feel free to follow us on instagram we're at akafe podcast we're also both on tiktok akafe laura and akafe jessica and if you feel so kind to leave us a five-star review on whatever listening platforms you join us on we'd be so appreciative and grateful talk to y'all soon thanks thanks bye bye